the book I'm going to be reviewing today is Stolen Focus by Johan Hara. I've had the book in my library for a few months. We've recently just come back from Dubai on holiday. Part of the thing that I was going to try and do on holiday was put my phone down. I've been consciously trying to reduce my screen time and my phone time and I thought, well, a perfect opportunity to do it whilst on holiday. I mean, on a beach in Dubai, what do I need to be on my phone for? Exactly. So, Stolen Focus by Johan Hara. He's been on Joe Rogan a few times. He's done the podcast Roots. If you Google him, you'll find him on all sorts of podcasts. And he's done a few other books as well, which I will get round to reading. But this one struck out at me because I am interested, like I said, about reducing my screen time. The first thing I want to talk about, if I say to you, what do you think is the most important thing about losing your attention? What is the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, probably the same as me. You're probably going to say mobile phone and technology. And that's exactly what I thought. Yes, it plays a big part. Technology plays a massive part. And there's a whole, um, there's several chapters catered to talking about why phones and technology are stealing our attention. But it's not the only reason. And that's what was surprising to me about this book. So other things that go into stealing our attention, and you may be surprised by a few of these. Stress. Pollution, floor states, work and burnout, and when it comes to children, free play, which has a link to adult in mind wandering. I'm going to get onto that because that was fascinating. But stress. So, first of all, my idea of just going cold turkey on holiday, it might have been sustainable on holiday for a week. But as Johan talks about in the book, he tries it himself going cold turkey and it doesn't work. You're destined for failure. And why is that? Well, it's because it's a societal issue. Technology, mobile phones. It can't be solved a problem at the individual because these technologies are designed to steal our attention. They're designed to keep us hooked. Inducing all the chemicals in our brain like dopamine, pleasure centers, all this kind of stuff. We're destined for failure. So to solve the problem, it's got to be done at a society level. So me just reducing my screen time and staying off my phone, how would I ever communicate with people? How would I run a business? It's hard because everybody else is still embracing technology. So just going cold turkey may work for a short spell of time. However, eventually you are going to end up being back on your phone. So stress. The reason why stress is... Stealing our attention. Lifestyle, basically. Lifestyle. Lack of sleep. Lack of exercise. Um, stressful jobs. Stressful relationships. All this is stealing our attention and stopping us from being able to concentrate. Concentrate on stuff that we find important. I mean, from a personal standpoint, I do struggle sometimes. Watching films... Concentrating on films for a long period of time. I never used to be like that. Flow states were not doing meaningful enough activities that are meaningful personal to us. Activities that are going to enable us to get into what is known as a flow state. They could be defined as activities that you do for the sake of doing the activity. So, for example, painting. Painting isn't about the finished article. Painting is about the act of painting. Reading, 
the active reading, you get into a flow state. Once you get into a good book, time just passes you by. I get into a flow state when I'm doing um, martial arts training, jiu-jitsu. Listening to music, playing music, all these things get us into our flow state. That is one thing that is stopping our attention, according to the book. Work and burnout, we're in lives, we're in jobs that we necessarily aren't thriving in because they're not stimulating enough. Yes, it is difficult if you're in that circumstance where you need to work to pay, to pay your rent, pay your bills. But that's where these other aspects can come into it, reducing stress, training, getting out in nature. Another thing is the work life that we have. In the book, Johan talks a great deal about how the actual working week came into fruition, how we started working five days a week. It used to be six days a week, then it got reduced. Um, there's an argument that a four-day week, studies have shown that a four-day week would still bring out the same efficiency and tasks would still get done. However, that extra day off would give individuals a chance to spend time with their families, do activities that would allow them to get into these flow states and live a meaningful life. So children and free play, I'm going to expand more on this shortly, but children are no longer allowed really to have this free play time. I don't know what it's like where you live, but you see lunchtime and break times with kids in the school playground they don't have that free play it's all quite structured they're not promoted to just go and explore and, and enjoy themselves and um, we was always out playing football even though I was shit at it playing tick whatever whatever you used to play it's not really promoted anymore especially kids don't spend much time outdoors when you come home because of the perceived threats and dangers outside in society now um, few fucking wrong ones knocking about. Children aren't allowed really to go and play outside for long periods of times, exploring the woods for fear of these unfortunate things happening and dangerous people knocking about. But that is stopping children solving problems themselves and working out things themselves. Everything's too structured and they're not given this free play, which was an interesting aspect of the book. Now, I will talk about the adult version of that, which is mind-wandering. I'll come back to that. An interesting segue. So I'm always interested, and I've mentioned this before, but I'm always interested in when I see the same pattern turn up in different things or the same thing appears to me numerous times. I'm always interested and I'm always aware enough to follow that lead. Now, interestingly enough, Johan Hare, um, there's a quote from Jordan Peterson, and I've read Jordan Peterson's 10 Rules for Life, and one of the rules is um, let children play and learn so... Johan Harry's talking about this, giving children more free time and letting them learn of their own mistakes, not giving them anything too structured. I read another book on holiday, simultaneous to this, um, the Orphan X series, the first book in the Orphan X series, and in that, the, the love interest in the book pins Jordan Peterson quotes upon her kitchen, and every time the, the um, protagonist goes in, the hero, he reads these Jordan Peterson's quotes and they directly oppose rules that he grew up living by as he was being trained to be this assassin. Interesting. So there's something there about listen and read more to Jordan Peterson. That's what I'm going to take away from that. Just, just coincidence how that's appeared. Anyway, 
So the average person, this was really surprising, the average person doesn't get one hour of uninterrupted time a day at work in your eight hour shift at work, whatever it is, whatever your shift work is, studies show that the average person does not get one hour uninterrupted time. That is crazy. Further to that, once you are interrupted, it takes you 20 minutes on average to get back into focus. So if you don't get an hour at any one time chunked in there to do your work, and then once someone interrupts you, it takes on average 20 minutes to get back into that focus. No wonder you don't get any work done. Fucking hell, that's crazy, innit? Again, if it takes you 20 minutes to get into a task, 20 minutes in, you're just about getting into that kind of flow state that you want to be in. So he's promoting turning off all distractions and really trying to get in this flow state when you do it. And it's hard because in a working environment, people want to talk, you want to catch up. But yeah, 20 minutes to get back into a, into the into focus. Lending on from that, which is quite interesting. As humans, we cannot multitask. It's impossible. We don't multitask. You might think you're multitasking, but what you're actually doing is um, jumping from one task to another. Multitasking was initially a term coined for computer processors. They would multitask and do multiple things at once. And the self-help gurus, um, like in Will Starr's books, Selfair, this self-help movement, the um, self-esteem movement, this thing that got brought in to improve everyone, everyone's self-esteem and which prompted the narcissism and the selfie generation that we see now, started to adopt this for individuals, the productivity. The productivity gurus started to coin this term for humans. Multitasks, you can do multiple things at once. We can't actually do that. Our brains won't let us do more than one task at a time. If you think you do, you're actually jumping from one to the other. So then, if you're jumping from one task to another constantly, but then once you're interrupted, it takes you 20 minutes to get back into deep focus. The idea of multitasking is you're never ever going to be in deep focus on one particular task. So no wonder your attention is being stolen when you're trying to do these things. We all know the kind of inherent ways that social media is trying to steal our attention. So if this is something you're aware of, I apologise. But a lot, some people just aren't aware of how it's designed to become so addictive. So for example, the likes. Um, you like someone's post. That pings at their end. That sends that dopamine rush to the brain. And they want more, so they're going to produce more photos to produce that likes to become accepted and gain status in society. And the algorithms are set up in such a way that what you like, you'll get more of on your feed of what you like. So YouTube, the Yelp algorithm for YouTube is set up to recommend something that is a little bit maybe controversial to what you've started watching. So you go down the rabbit hole more and more. Um, but it's also going to, algorithm is going to start, stuff that you've watched, you may like this, you know, it's like, that's how they catch you. So we started, I mean, you've probably all done this before where you think, oh yeah, Facebook, it's listening to us, it's listening to us. Well, 
I didn't. I don't. I still don't want to believe this. But it's even worse than that. Social media and the algorithms behind it know you so well that they make predictions. So we'd been speaking about the on-air trainers in our house. And yeah, you think it's listening to you. But actually then started receiving ads for these on-air running trainers. Now in the book, Johan Hari interviewed lots of people from Silicon Valley. And they told him that it's not the fact that listening to you, it's the fact that they know you so well. They know the activities you're interested in. They know what your previous search history is. is. They've made predictions and I don't know what's scarier, whether they're listening to you or that they know me so well that I was deciding to buy a pair of trainers. Yeah, that's pretty scary, isn't it? And again, I don't want to believe that that's true, but that's what he was saying in the book. That's what the people who he interviewed were saying the technology is doing, predicting. It knows you better than you know yourself. Which is scary. And in the book, there's a whole several chapters on the interviews that he did in Silicon Valley. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but Tristian, Tristian Harris, I want to say, he did the recent Netflix special, um, the social network documentary, he'd been on Rogan, he talks about it, the, the course that ran in Silicon Valley, which a lot of the founders of um, the technology that we use today were actually students on the course of persuasive technology the science of persuasive technology it was a course at Sanford and a lot of the CEOs of our founders of the tech that we use now that affect our everyday lives that steal our focus were on this course so mind wandering like I said about children we don't really let children have free play anymore and solve problems of their own accord everything's a bit too structured now, this for me was the biggest takeaway in the book it's something that I've started incorporating into my routine and I'll tell you what how I do that in a minute but mind wandering so I've I started to adopt um, kind of a mindset several years ago that time when you're doing nothing is unproductive time you're not learning anything so for example walking the dog I try and have a podcast in if, even if I listen to music, sometimes I feel a little bit guilty that I'm not actually doing something productive. So walking the dog, I've always got a podcast on. Driving the car, podcast or audio book. Um, reading. If I'm sat in bed, I'm reading a book, trying to learn something new. So throughout, my, throughout the work the day, I don't have any time really where I'm sat doing nothing and even when the meditation practice that I do I'm consciously trying to not engage in thoughts so my mind isn't wandering I'm concentrating on the breath and being mindfulness not engaging in thoughts not giving thoughts energy now interesting studies in the book actively encourage periods of time during the day where your mind is allowed to wander freer so for example, so for example, walking the dog. Letting your mind wander, allowing one thought to engage in the next thought, allowing your mind to wander and process information. It's good for working problems out. How many times have you stood in the shower 
subconsciously cleaning yourself, bathing yourself, and then light bulb moment has gone off. And something's come back either that you're trying to work out three, three days ago or that a problem's come out and you think, I'm going to give that a go. So it's good for creativity, good for working out problems, but very few people actually have allocated time in the day where they're sat doing nothing, letting the mind wander. Again, on holiday. So I'm reading this book on holiday and it's telling me about these mind-wandering things. But I, lying in the sun, just chilling out, I always had to be reading. I was either go, trying to go to sleep or reading a book, listening to a podcast. So I started, started actively like sitting there for periods of time and just watching what was happening around me and letting my mind wander. And I actually started to come up with some really good ideas. How to grow um, my business, how to grow this podcast and other things. So how, how have I tried to incorporate that into a daily routine? The first thing is, and the first way I do it, is nice and simple. Sometimes when I'm walking the dog, I won't have a podcast that I won't have a podcast on or I'll listen to an audio book. I'll just go and walk the dog and that's it. Another time I've done it a few times when I've been driving home from jiu-jitsu or driving home from work, I won't have the radio on in my car and I'll just drive and let my mind wander that way. Something that I've found really benefits me is first thing in the morning. So when I get up first thing in the morning, I make my first cup of coffee of the day. First cup, I make my first cup of coffee. I make my first cup of coffee of the day. And I sit there in the living room and I have my cup of coffee. And that is my half an hour, 20 minutes of mind wandering. I just let my mind work out what I've got to do for the day. Think about the structure of the day, what's happening. I've got to do X, Y, and Z classes tonight and naturally your mind starts to wander and then I go with it so I'm not looking at my phone I'm just letting my mind sit there while I've got a cup of coffee and ruminate on all the things I've got to do and I found that is quite beneficial I found that works a caveat to that though is if you are under negative stress and you've got a lot of shit going on in your life got a lot of problems that may be financial worries that may be relationship issues then mind wandering probably isn't that helpful because you are going to start to put negative spin and catastrophize stuff so you end up looking at worst case scenarios and that is going to dwell on your mind so what I would say mind wandering and he does talk about this in the book is only kind of beneficial if you are kind of in a good place mentally and you've not got a lot of that negative stress going on so to finish off there was a few times on holiday when I did check my phone <sighs> gutted I know I know and that was generally of an evening when you go back to the room to get changed before your tea. I check my phone, just have a flick through on social media. And what I found was really interesting. I immediately felt anxious, overwhelmed, and a fear of missing out. I mean, for fuck's sake, I was in Dubai. I was in a beautiful fucking location, 38 degrees. And I had the fear of missing out and I was overwhelmed and I became anxious about shit what people were doing back home in St. Helens. And I wasn't doing it. And that wasn't like going to parties and stuff. It was like people posting about the Jiu-Jitsu club, come and get a three-week trial. And I wasn't doing that because I was on a holiday. I had scheduled my emails to go out to uh, new members and stuff. So I'd done work in the background. So that should have relieved me stress and allowed me to chill out. But as soon as I started on my phone... 
refresh feed going through. An interesting thing about refresh feed, by the way, is that was one of the biggest factors that makes you stay on social media for longer. Previously, the, refre the feed never refreshed automatically. You had to get to the bottom, then click a button, and then it refreshed the feed, and that was a massive percentage of people actually came off social media, and that was their allocation for the day. But because of the automatic refresh, automatic refresh feed um, item function, sorry, that meant people just stayed on for, well, you know what it's like, 20 minutes turns into half an hour before you know what you've done an hour, just refreshing your feed, scrolling through. Anyway, I started getting anxious just by checking my phone. And at the end of the day, I was on a holiday in Dubai and I'm being overwhelmed and anxious about what people are doing back home in St. Helens because I feel like I'm missing out because I'm a bro. I'm crazy, I know. I know, absolute crazy. But that's how it gets you. So I was on holiday. I read three books. My wife read a load more books. I chilled out. I stayed relatively social media free. And I honestly somehow felt lighter. I didn't reach for my phone as soon as I got up. I felt lighter. I wasn't constantly just stirring on my phone. And when we got to the airport on the way home, waiting for our gate to open, I was watching people sitting there and Everybody was just on the phone. I know that's what we're like. That's society now, isn't it? And people have made the, the same observations as well. But we are being sucked in. There's a lot of things going on that is ultimately stealing our focus. And it's a great book. Um, it really opened my eyes to some of the reasons, and not just social media, but other reasons why we struggle to maintain our concentration. The mind wandering was massive for me. Getting into flow states, and I recommend you read this book. Um, shout out to Michael Reynolds. I am going to give this book a nine out of ten. So I recommend that you read it, and it may just get you to question and look at things in your life that you do that may be hampering you being able to focus on what is truly important. I'll leave you with that. Enjoy. See you soon.